Hello and welcome to Everybody Pulls the Tarp. I'm your host, Andrew Moses. With me today, a very special guest, Kelly Masters, attorney, sports agent, founder, president of KMM Sports. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, Andrew. I'm sorry, my notifications are going nuts. I apologize. The life of a sports agent. The notifications are going nuts. (laughs) I I want to get into it all, Kelly. Yeah. So, so you weren't always a sports agent, and you didn't always know that you wanted to be a sports agent. But let's go. Let's go back in time. Where did you Where did you start your career? So I, uh, my undergrad degree, I got at the University of Oklahoma. I'm a lifelong Oklahoman. Um, Grew up here. Grew up, you know, going to football games from the time I was three years old. That was probably the biggest part of my life was going to football games. Um, My dad had actually been, um, he was an attorney by day, but he was also a a radio guy. And so he did uh, play by play. Um, for football, basketball, and I would go to games with him when I was little and ask a million questions. And um, and so football was always a big part of my life, but I never saw myself actually getting to work in sports. Uh, so I got my degree in journalism. I worked in news at the CBS affiliate in Oklahoma City during my senior year in college. And that year was actually really pivotal, pivotal for everybody, for everyone in television. Um, the O.J. Simpson trial was going on. That was really the first trial that, you know, they allowed cameras the whole time. It captured the attention of the nation. And one of my jobs at uh, Channel 9 here in Oklahoma City was to follow the trial. And so I followed that. And then in the spring, that spring in 95, um, the bombing happened. The Oklahoma City uh, Federal Building was bombed. And I covered that. And both of those things impacted my life and my perspective and uh, really, honestly, my future. I decided I wanted to go to law school after that, uh, honestly, to learn more so I could be a better journalist. I didn't. I realized how much I didn't know about the legal system, and I really wanted to to learn more so I could be a great journalist. And then I got into law school, and I realized, oh my gosh, I I really actually want to do this. I I want to be one of the people that's that's out there fighting for justice and fighting against evil and representing people and advocating for people. And I just fell in love with law school. In the middle of law school, however, uh, kind of reached a point where, and I think most people go through this at some point in their lives, some earlier, some later. For me, it was early 20s. Right in the middle of law school, I just hit a wall and said, what am I doing? What's my purpose in life? I felt like my whole life I'd been really, really driven But most of that drive came from fear and fear of failure, fear of letting people down, fear of not living up to expectations. And so um, kind of put everything on hold for a couple of weeks. Uh, Spent a lot of time praying, a lot of time just, you know, asking why, you know, why am I here? What am I supposed to do with my life? I almost dropped out of law school to go do mission work, um, which a lot of people don't know. And I really, really thought that was my path. And after a lot of prayer and talking to mentors in my life, I realized, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to finish law school and there's, you know, God has a plan for it. And so I finished law school and I went into a very normal law practice uh, with a law firm here in Oklahoma City. I'm still with the same law firm 20 years later, although I'm semi-retired from my law practice because my agent work takes up 99% of my time. Uh, But during my law practice, I decided I wasn't just going to do litigation, which is what I was trained to do. I also wanted to help people who had a heart to make an impact on the world like I did. So missionaries, ministries, charities, 
private foundations, people who had a vision for making an impact on the world around them. I wanted to use my skills and, and my expertise to help them do that. So probably everyone at this point is going, now how did you end up being a sports agent after all of this? <laughs> Five years into my law practice, I became a partner in my firm as a trial lawyer. Uh, I'd also developed a, a substantial practice in nonprofit law. And I got a call from a former NFL player and his family. They had started a foundation, had run into some issues, legal issues. They needed to hire an attorney and they hired me. And that opened the door and opened my eyes to the world of professional athletes, the platform that athletes have, the resources that they have. And, and most athletes I've found want to make an impact. They want to give back. They're grateful for the opportunities that they have because of their talent and their hard work and their resources. And they want to make a difference. And I felt like I had won the lottery, <laughs> not because I made money right away. I didn't. It took years to actually make a profit. But uh, and it's a very expensive business to be in. But I knew that I had found what I was called to do. And that was use all my background, all my experience to help professional athletes navigate their careers and make an impact. So Kelly, thank you for sharing all of that. And, and yeah. as you and I have, and as you and I have talked about, this show is called "Everybody Pulls the Tarp," and it's all based upon a philosophy that I have that great teams, great organizations are powered by individuals who contribute far beyond the boundaries of 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 what's expected and their job descriptions. Right. And I think the the world of sports agents is one of these these misunderstood professions, right? Yeah. I think if everybody looks at a sports agent from afar, they think yeah. it's all glamour, mm -hmm. all glitz. One of the coolest jobs on the face right. of the earth, right? But it's it's one of these jobs that requires incredible work ethic, incredible tenacity, and yeah. incredible you know uh, client service. So maybe talk for a minute about some of the things that people don't see, you know, right. behind the scenes. <laughs> you know, when I when I tell people, and I'm sometimes reluctant when I'm traveling, and people ask, "What do you do?" I'm reluctant to say sports agent because they automatically think Jerry Maguire and show me the money and you know red carpets and you know private jets and and all of that. And really, my my job, well, in normal years, this has been a really really abnormal year. So I'm just basically on my phone, on Facetime, or on Zoom constantly. Um, but normally, I am on the road. Um, every week of the year, 52 weeks of the year. Uh, I, you know, my, my life is running through airports and rental cars and hotel shuttles and sometimes sleeping in the airport or, um, you know, going to a game on a Saturday night and then, you know, not sleeping, driving through the night, getting to the airport, going to, flying to an NFL city, going straight to an NFL game, meeting with a family and a player that night, discussing life, getting up the next morning, meeting with the general manager, flying to the Monday night game, going to the Monday night game, taking the player and his family to dinner, getting up the next morning, meeting with that team. And so uh, it's, it's on the go constantly. It is managing a lot of personalities, a lot of um, issues. You know, I, I grew up like a lot of people, a, a huge sports fan, going to games or watching games on ESPN or, or on TV. And now there's so much that I know um, that happens. You know, for example, a player gets hurt, you know, and in football, 100% of the time, a player is some player at some point in his career is going to suffer an injury, whether it's major, minor, uh, hopefully they're minor, um, but injuries happen. And when you see it, you see the player either carted off or walked off and everyone cheers. 
and then everyone goes back to watching the game. And as an agent, if I have a player that goes down, first of all, I, I typically go to games every single weekend. This year will be different. I'm not going to be traveling to games. I'll be watching on TV, but I'm always monitoring every one of my players' games. And so I know where they are, what they're doing. And if a player gets injured, I'm on the phone with the trainer. I'm putting in the call to the second opinion doctor. I'm working with the team on, are we gonna do an injury settlement? Are we gonna go rehab? I need to protect his workers' comp rights. We need to set up a, you know, a, an appointment with the second opinion doctor, maybe the surgeon. Um, and so there are the, you know, there's a list of 15 things that I'm doing immediately from the time the player goes down on the field until he you know, ends up after the game on crutches or in a boot or whatever. Um, so it's all those details. And even when a player is cut or traded, um, it's easy as fans to just see that as another transaction. You know, oh, my team made a trade. Um, and it's now, actually- This, this individual's life. life. It's a life. And there's usually, you know, his, his wife, his kids, um, his, his family, his dog, his cars. What are we going to do about the mortgage? What are we going to do about finding him a place to live in the new city? How are we going to get the car and the dogs and the kids there? <laughs> uh, all of those things. So it's, it really, and not every agent takes on everything. Uh, I knew from day one that I wanted to be the go-to person and that, um, you know, whether it's me or my staff that works for me, we're going to take care of every detail uh, of a player's life so he can focus on being great at his profession. And that in, entails a lot of uh, a lot of details and a lot of putting out fires and cleaning up messes and and just handling even logistics and personalities too. It's I, uh, I was in the car with my stepdaughter yesterday and I was uh, talking to a player who's going through a, a pretty intense situation right now. And I hung up and my stepdaughter's only 15, but she said, you know, she said, you really care about your guys, don't you? They're like your kids, aren't they? And I said, yeah, they, they <laughs> are. And she said, that's funny because she said, I feel like teams, you know, just treat them as like, you know, not as real people. And she said, maybe that's not true, but that's just what it looks like to me is it's just, oh, well, on to the next player and that they don't really care, but you really care. And um, a lot of people don't realize that. Well, you sure do, Kelly. And one of the questions I always have for folks who are in client service, whether it's in your business or others, is, you know, you have 30 or 40 clients, let's say, maybe more now. Yeah. And they know you have other clients. But when you interact with them, you probably want them to feel like they're your only client. Yeah. How do you how do you engage with one client in a with everything else that's going on around you and make that person feel like they're your only client? That's a really good question. And so much of it goes back to, I think, the way I was, even the way I was raised and the way I've always looked at my work is it's not work and life should not be transactional. Uh, it should be relational. Everything. It's business, but it's personal. Um, and that's, you know, you try to say, oh, this is business. This is personal. To me, it's all personal because this is me. It's, it's a very personal business. This is me taking care of what my client needs as a human being first and, and as a player. And obviously, as you know, he's got a contract and he's got uh, obligations and he has you know, legal rights and he has things that he's responsibilities that he has to deal with. And those are on my plate too, because it's his, it's on his life, therefore it's on my life. And so that's my responsibility. That's my my fiduciary duty to take care of everything, but also treat him like a person. And so I try to be very intentional 
when I'm with either physically sitting with a player and his family or on the phone or on a FaceTime, that I make it, I make that moment all about them. I cannot be distracted by my phone blowing up, which is, it can be easy to get distracted for all of us. Uh, but I really try to put away or put down the phone, focus on that player and his specific needs in that moment. And how can I be intentional about treating him as a human being, understanding that it's not just about fixing a problem. It's also about helping a human being um, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, um, not just physically. What is the issue that we're dealing with? So I think you have to be intentional about being relational. So, so you're a former national and world champion uh, baton twirler, as I understand it. I am. <laughs> and uh, Miss Oklahoma, 1997. It, do, do you think that there's experiences in your life, you know, in that in that world where you are in intense competition that helps you relate to your clients? Absolutely. And they may laugh at me at first when I say that, but then they actually really understand. So being a competitive baton twirler, I, I decided I wanted to be – uh, the twirler, the feature twirler for the University of Oklahoma back when I was five years old. That was already my goal when I was five. And I wanted to know, well, what does it take to, to win that position and twirl at halftime in front of, you know, tens of thousands of screaming fans. And I knew that they always looked at twirlers who were champions. They had to be a national champion or a world champion. And it's like, well, that's what I have to do. And so from, I uh, really, I started setting those goals when I was really young. I started training full-time when I was seven. I trained seven days a week, four to six hours a day, every day of the year, um, including holidays. And I didn't take days off. Um, I took a day off maybe here and there every year or two, um, but I didn't take full weeks off at a time ever. Um, from the time I was seven until I retired when I was 22 and, and hung up the batons and went to law school. Um, but I, I know what it's like. I, even though I didn't play football, I know the sacrifices. And I know what it means to go the extra mile and to work, to know that you have to work harder than your competitors, to push through injury, to take care of your body, to get plenty of rest when you can, and put the good things in your body that you need to recover to be, you know, all those things. So I understand the sacrifices that it takes time-wise and discipline-wise uh, to be a, a goal setter and a goal achiever. And so those experiences, even the the failures, the falling flat on my face, the coming in last, the competition, I, I think my first time at national competition, I was 64th place. And I, I put my, you know, I worked my entire year for that one performance and I came in 64th. And that's, Dunk. That was awful. <laughs> that was embarrassing. Uh, I think there were a hundred competitors, and, and I was sixty fourth. So I, you know, didn't even make the top half. Um, I worked my tail off the next year, dedicated, took it to a higher level, got got more coaches, more coaching, and the next year I was fifth. I placed in the top five, and the following year I became a national champion. And so um, I know, I know what those, I know how it feels to feel like you're a failure. I also know what it's like to push through hard hours when nobody sees. You know, people don't see the hard work behind the scenes. They don't see what it takes and even the hard work of my coaches, my choreographer, my you know, everyone that played a role, my parents, everyone that played a support role in in helping me reach those goals. It wasn't just me. You know, it it took everybody. It took everyone on the team working together to reach that goal, just like you said. And it's it's about doing the extra and being willing to do the things that nobody sees. So 
you talk about being will, you know, being willing to do the things that nobody sees. In t- in 2010, you made some history. You you had the first yeah. NF- you, you represent you were the, became the first woman in history to represent a first round pick in the NFL draft. Yeah. And I know you 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 navigated some adversity and 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 plenty of folks who doubted you along the way. Yeah. Um, did 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 everything that you just described help in your mind prepare you to overcome some of those hurdles and some of that adversity? Oh my gosh, of course. Uh, it's, you know, when people see, and I, I want, when people hear me or I'm, I get up to speak and, and the person that's introducing me talks about, you know, she was the first woman to do this and she was Miss Oklahoma and she's a champion and blah, blah, blah. I want to get up and go, y'all, like I have failed way more than, <laughs> than I've succeeded. I spent a lot more time in the valleys than I have on the mountaintops. And I want people to know that when they see people having success, it's because those people have suffered a lot of pain and setbacks and failure. And I did not, you know, I, I sat in that green room with my client and I, I often laugh about it. I, I am not like I'm the worst at promoting myself for my own success. I don't have a single picture from that night. Like I didn't post anything on social media. I didn't do interviews until months and months later. And I had to be convinced to talk about it. But I was so focused on, you know, I'd set a goal to represent a first rounder. And, uh, you know, it it took a lot of, a lot of pain. It took years of not making any money, having to borrow money to live, having to work 24 seven. It felt like, um, get turned down, get, you know, fall on my face, fail miserably, get rejected over and over and over and over again. Um, and even be told by mentors that, Hey Kelly, it's, it's time to quit. Um, I had to push through that all of that. And I don't, if I had had an easy life uh, to that point and had not experienced adversity or setbacks, I don't think I would have made it. I, I really don't. Was there one moment though, in particular, where, where you felt like, you know, this might be like, this might be it. Like I, I might actually give up or did you never, did you <laughs> never have that moment? I, you know, I hear people that allow themselves to have like three day pity parties and then they can pull themselves out. My pity parties last about 60 seconds at the most when I'm like, this is horrible. I can't do it. You know, nobody's listening to me. Nobody cares. Nobody wants me to succeed. And and I, I'll spend about maybe 60 seconds there and then I'll go, you know what? Doesn't matter what anybody else says. Doesn't matter how I feel right now. I know that I'm called to do this. I know in my heart of hearts, I'm supposed to be here. And no matter what it looks like, I'm going to stand, even if it takes just standing in faith when nobody else has faith in me, I'm going to have faith that I'm supposed to be here. And I'm going to keep persevering and pushing through. I remember, and I I talk about this moment a lot, actually, because it was so um, pivotal in my life. But I was approached at my very first NFL Combine by an agent that was probably at the time the most successful agent in the business. I looked up to him um, and he walked up to me, didn't know me, but you know, I stood out obviously because I was one of the only women in the room and he walked up and basically told me I didn't belong there and that women would never experience success in the business and would never be respected. And that I needed to find something else to do with my life. And, um, and you know, if I had not (laughs) had to overcome and push through uh, some really painful stuff in my past. Um, I wouldn't have been prepared to handle that moment. And in that moment, instead of saying, "Oh, you're right," you know, I'm, I'll never make it. You're, you're successful. I'm not gonna be. I looked at him and I said, "You know what? You're gonna have to deal with me because uh, I'm not going anywhere, and I'm gonna prove you wrong." And I did. 
you did, and and you've got, so you've got that that on the on the one end of the spectrum, and then you have that moment in mm-hmm. the green room where your client, you know, his phone rings, and and that <laughs> NFL team calls him. What's that moment like, and 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 how does that feel for you at that point? Um, very emotional. It was a dream come true uh, for him, for me. Really, for yeah, I didn't look at it as my night at all. I didn't look at it even as a necessarily an accomplishment for me. Just signing him and getting someone to believe in me was was the accomplishment of yes, <laughs> I finally I competed. I finally got here. Now it's time to get to work. Now it's time to do my job. So I saw that moment as his moment. And I felt the the pressure and the responsibility, the immense responsibility on my shoulders and the weight of that, that, okay, I, you know, my task, my job is to walk through this moment with him and make sure that nobody hurts him, make sure that he gets the contract he deserves, that he's protected, that he maximizes all of his opportunities, that he's able to make the impact and build the legacy that he wants to build. So in that moment, I was thinking about my responsibilities. I wasn't thinking about, yay, let's celebrate. Um, He was, and I wanted it to be, I wanted that moment to be etched in his memory forever. Sometimes when things happen, it can be a blur. I didn't want it to be a blur for him. I wanted him to truly embrace the moment, enjoy it with his family, um, and then know that I had his back no matter what. And so for, for him, it was this amazing breakthrough moment. For me, I just felt the weight of the responsibility. There's so much, there's so much talk, and rightfully so, in, in the world today, in the business world, in sports about diversity, yeah. you know, gender, ethnic, racial, social orientation. Sure. What do you think, what do you think, you know, in terms of, when you think about diversity and its importance yeah. on teams? And for leadership groups to be diverse, you think it makes a, it, it. You think it makes a difference? It does. I have a bit of a different approach to it, and I, I actually wrote an op-ed several years ago that was picked up, I think, on on either USA Today or Fox News, or someone picked it up um, about the need for leaders for women in leadership in the NFL. And uh, I hated the title. They kind of made the title a clickbait. Like, you want to fix the NFL's problems? Put a woman in charge. I'm like, oh, that's not exactly what I said. Um, I I 100% believe in the value, and it's been proven over and over, the value of having diversity of thought, having people from different backgrounds, um, men, women, different races, um, different cultures. Um, When you bring together a diverse group, you do have greater perspective on how to bring solutions to the table. And so I 100% believe that that is true, that reaching better solutions and developing better leadership and better direction for an organization, for a team, for a company, I do think that that requires diversity. That being said, um, and it's, I don't think, and, and and I hold to this, I don't think that people should be put in situations where they feel like they are obligated to hire a certain gender, a certain race, just to meet some, you know, okay, now we're diverse. <laughs> I don't, because that creates, uh, I don't think that, you know, women or um, people that look different should be given preference. I just think they should be taken seriously and given the same advantages, the same opportunities, equal opportunity. So I believe in, you know, when I walk in, I don't want to be hired just because I'm a woman. 
I want to be hired because I'm the best person for the job who also happens to be a woman. Um, because it just creates an environment where, you know, I've seen a, an environment created where divorce, diversity is, is forced and it creates resentment. It creates lack of respect. It creates some bitterness. Um, instead, my goal, and especially as a, you know, a woman who happens to have become a trailblazer, an unintentional trailblazer. I just, I wanted to not just say, hire more women, hire women as agents. I wanted to, people to go, oh, women are just as capable and just as, and can be just as successful as men, even though it's a male dominated field. I just wanted to break that barrier and see fairness and equality. And I think when we create that environment where women aren't viewed as someone who, you know, where women are just as capable, and in some respects better <laughs> and more qualified um, in, in certain ways. If that if we can get rid of prejudices against women and minorities, then we're accomplishing our goals. Um, so I believe in diversity, but I believe in equality. I, I absolutely love that, Kelly. And, and, I, and I think there's, there's, there's nothing greater than when you've got folks from different backgrounds, yeah. different you know, ethnicities of different sets of experience coming together to figure out whatever is best and make an yeah. industry better, a team better, yeah. an organization better. And uh, you sure are living proof of that. So Kelly, before I let you go, when when people look back many, many years from now and 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 yeah. your career is over, what do you want you know the legacy of Kelly Masters to be? Uh, you know, if I without my clients, I would be nothing. Without my clients saying yes. I, I would not, no matter how talented or smart or whatever I work to achieve in my life as an agent, I would be nothing if I didn't have clients who believed in me. And so I want my legacy to be my client saying, you know, Kelly believed in me. She made a difference in my life. She helped make me the person that I am. Um, so I want my legacy to be the impact that I made on other lives and that hopefully I inspired and encouraged people with my own life. I never want to want to be be thought of as someone who is intimidating or who is better than anyone else. Um, I just want to be someone who really, really cares about people and cares about making a difference. Kelly, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you for joining everybody pulls the tarp and and best of luck to you yeah. and, and all your clients here Thank in this uh, in these coming months, which is, is certainly unique in, yeah. in the world and in sports for sure. For sure. For sure. Thank you so much, Andrew.